How's everybody doing today? Good? Cold? It's a little chilly in here. I, we, we've been here for two years and I have been looking all over for the controls and I cannot find them and I can't find somebody that tells me where they are either. Uh, so, but four more weeks of this and we'll be somewhere else. But what else? I heard somebody say something about Christmas. Dale, you said something. Merry post-Christmas. I still consider this Christmas. You got trees up and lights. Did you take your tree down? No. It's still Christmas. So, <laughs> uh, Anyways, uh, today uh, we're going to be going into, um, I'm not sure yet. I, I've got, I have a message that I've been working on in John, um, out of John chapter 9, kind of continuing on in our series, uh, The Word. Uh, looking at Jesus' life and, and all of that. And it's getting into the, the story where he heals the, the blind man um, by spitting into the dirt and then like rubbing mud in his eyes. Uh, and as that message is going there, and, and I feel like there's something for us uh, out of that passage in that message, at the same time, I feel like this separate thing, and they're, they're kind of like interleaving over each other. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out uh, necessarily what that is. Um, and so uh, the worship team, uh, Jesse and Mackenzie, uh, we might need another three, four songs uh, towards the end. So if you want to be praying uh, how the Spirit might lead you uh, in doing those things. Um, I want to start off um, by talking about Christmas gifts a little bit. Because uh, obviously like yesterday was like Christmas and there's gifts under the tree and, and all those things. And um, does anybody like want to share like a really memorable thing that, that you were you were given at all? Not even this year, but just like over over time through your life. You got a puppy. That's right. We got a puppy last year. That's a good one. I remember my first Christmas present. Uh, I was 23 years old. Never celebrated Christmas before because it was Jehovah's Witness, and it was a Jeremy Camp CD. Uh, from a white elephant gift, uh, and the person that got it um, didn't necessarily want it, and they're like, hey, why don't I trade you? You really enjoy this, and I'm just kind of like, okay, is that how white elephant gifts work? And, but I enjoyed it. A, a Russian beard token? What is a Russian beard token? Okay. I want to see that, David. Uh, can you bring that? Is that something you can bring? Some so, I don't know if everybody heard that, but apparently with Peter the Great, if you had wore a beard, you had to have permission, and so you had to carry a token around so that if the government asked you, where's your beard token, uh, I got to see that. that. That's really, really cool. Nice. I need to see that. I need to see that. Those are the great kind of gifts, you know, the, the kind of gifts that um, you wouldn't necessarily go out uh, and like, okay, here's my, here's my budget and I have to be able to, you know, pay for this and pay for that and, you know, food needs to go on the table and, oh, a beard token, like that needs, it, you know, those are kind of the cool gifts that um, you don't expect um, but are awesome. 
I don't know. I still get awkward about gifts uh, at times because it, there's always the weird thing to me. Uh, again, I grew up for 23 years without having Christmas gifts at all. Uh, and so Christmas to me was really just kind of the annoying day when everything was closed. Um, and it was just like any other normal day except you couldn't go out and buy anything. Um, and, and so gifts and getting into that was, was kind of a process, but there's still this weird glitch for me at times where uh, every year around Thanksgiving, um, the questions come in from like my mother-in-law and my parents, uh, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? And for me, it's this awkward thing of like, what do I ask for? Um, because there's like all these things that'd be like really nice, you know, like brand new car, but you can't afford it. So I'm not going to ask for a brand new car. Um, you know, an Apple watch would be, but that's kind of expensive. So let me kind of like bracket. That's what I've come to do is like, let me bracket my Christmas gift lists. And, and here's kind of like the, the big desire, something I wouldn't necessarily spend money on, or maybe it would take me a while to save up for. And so we'll put it on this side and then down over here. Let's just go have a coffee together right? And then some stuff kind of in between the two um, to mesh it up with that. And it's just, it's odd for me to like, what do I want? And then honestly, the best gifts are the ones that bless me because it isn't what I even thought that I needed um, or wanted or necessarily asked for. Uh, and so uh, this year, actually, one of the cool things is we got into this um, game uh, called Wingspan. Uh, yeah, so you know the game, a beautiful game, um, and it's all about birds, and, and my family, we love bird watching and looking at birds and, and finding out about different birds, and uh, the Crawfords actually introduced us to this game, and it's all about like these birds from North America, and there's these little stats on it, it's, it's a fun game, um, and Angie got me a present, and I open it up, um, and I open up this present, and there's like these two little brown crocheted bowls. Like, I, I don't know what else to like necessarily call it. It just looks like a, a little bowl made out of yarn that's kind of crocheted. And, and honestly, when I first saw them, I thought of Leia from Star Wars. You know, like <laughs> the honey bun hair. Uh, and she's got a picture. I put it on thinking like, okay, this is the next costume. Uh, but come, <laughs> come to find out, like, these are actually like hand crocheted nests for the eggs that are in the game to be able to put them in. And I was just like, this is awesome. Um, totally unexpected. Uh, totally not even something that I thought I necessarily needed. And, uh, and yet, um, just incredibly blessed me. Uh, why am I bringing this up? Um, how do you respond when somebody asks, what do you want? Make me something. You don't want something? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, there's still like this whole like emotional mix of like, what do I ask for? Because there's some things I really want and some things that I don't need and, and all of that. And I feel that way in like my relationship to my mother-in-law and my parents. And, and I come up with this list because they're expecting a list. Um, but what about when it comes to God? What do we ask God for? Like a lot of times we, we go to him and the, the, the status quo, our, our 
fallback, our tendency is just to ask for help when we've reached the end of our strength. Like we've tried to do everything we can on our own and, and all of a sudden something feels impossible and because it feels impossible and we can't do it on our own anymore, our next step is to say, God, I need your help. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to do this. And so we, we pray for help in that situation. Or maybe it's for somebody else. Like, like our life is going okay and, and something happens to somebody else. Uh, and so then that often is a motivator for prayer. Uh, and it's a good motivation to pray for, for needs like that, for impossible things that seem so difficult that, that only a miracle from God uh, is able to, to really answer that particular thing. But what about things that don't feel like desperate needs? Do we ask him for those things? Do we seek him for gifts? What if, what if God said to you today, uh, today's the day after Christmas, I have a gift for you, what do you want? How do you respond to that? And I bring this up because I think he's asking us that question. And so later on, uh, I want to pray for those things, and we're going to talk about some of the things uh, that I think God has in mind as gifts for us. Um, but I want to also premise in, in James chapter 4, it says you don't have because you don't ask. But also, you don't have because you ask, and then you ask with the wrong motives, right? And so as we go through some stuff in, in Scripture today, uh, it's going to be looking at what our motives are. What could we ask God for? Uh, because I, he's God. He spoke all things into existence. I, I could ask for a blue whale right here at this moment. It's totally possible for him to do it. It would end in tragedy both for the whale and for some of us in the room. But he could do it. He's not going to do it, and I'm not going to ask him to. Um, but just kind of that, that idea. I think we're going to have a time for the worship team to be playing, for our prayer team to be over by the Christmas trees um, and, and praying for God um, and asking for some gifts. Um, now, all of this actually came out of the message that I was kind of planning to do. Uh, and so now I kind of have to step back. Like I said, I'm going to flip back and forth between two different messages here a little bit. What we were going to do is get into John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, where it's talking about the blind man. Uh, Jesus spits into the dirt, makes some mud, uh, which is totally odd, right? Like, like, what if somebody came up here and they're like, yeah, my back is bothering me. And I'm like, you know, and then like rubbed it on their back. Just a little, little segment. I think Jesus did it this way. And he healed people in various ways um, so that we don't get stuck on a method, but rather being led by the Holy Spirit. And I actually think that's an important thing for us to consider as we go into what I think God's asking us. What do we want this morning? But this passage, uh, I just want to read it, and then I think in a couple of weeks, when we get back into the series, uh, we'll get into some of this, because there's, there's some uh, issues brought up within this passage that are worth considering. 
Um, but it starts off in verse 1, uh, as Jesus was passing by. And so this is right after a big controversy within the temple. He basically declared himself to be God. People within the temple and the Pharisees picked up stones uh, to throw them at Jesus at the end of John chapter 8. Uh, and it says that he was hidden from them. And so basically kind of disappears from their sight, whether in the crowd or supernaturally, it doesn't say. Uh, but then as he's heading out in verse 1, uh, as he's passing by, he sees a man blind from birth. So the Holy Spirit points this out to Jesus as he's continuing on. Verse 2, his disciples also noticed him and said, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents uh, that he was born blind? That's a loaded question. And we'll get into that when we get back to this passage. But then Jesus replies, neither this man or his parents sinned. They came about or this came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Another loaded statement that we'll get into uh, in a number of weeks when we get back to this. But here in verse 4, he says, We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then verse 6, it goes on to him um, praying and, and spitting. And the man being healed. But, but it's verse 4 that really stuck out to me. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now if you're just reading through this passage, I think it's easy to come to a conclusion, to jump to a conclusion that's wrong. Here Jesus is walking by, and this man is blind, and he's like, we must do the works that my Father has sent me to do while it's still day, because there's a time coming where those works aren't going to happen anymore. And then he goes on, and he heals the man. And so I think it's an assumption at this point that that's just talking about Jesus, because he actually uses, in verse 4, he says, we must do the works. He's not saying here, I must do the works that God has sent me to do. Your job is just kind of going to watch. And in a while, I'm heading to the cross. I'm going to be gone. And and those works are going to be over. He's actually saying to those people, we need to be doing the works. Because the day is coming when, when those things aren't going to happen anymore. And as I was thinking about that, really just contemplating, that's the time that we're living in right now yet. Like, like Jesus himself uh, is gone, uh, but there was a purpose to that. One of the, the passages that, that came into my mind was in uh, John, and we don't have any of these verses up on the computer, so Mackenzie, don't worry about scrambling to find them. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn. Uh, one is going to be in John chapter uh, 16, 15, 16. Uh, use your phones if you'd like to. But, but here's Jesus, and he's saying, we must do the works while it's still time. No, Jesus was only here on earth for, for a set period of time to when the appointed time was right, went to the cross for the joy set before him uh, in order to, to die, be resurrected, uh, ending sin, ending death for those that find salvation in him. Uh, but then he continued on, and in Acts chapter 1, he's talking to the apostles at that point, saying, you know, wait in Jerusalem here until you're clothed with power on high, then I'm going to send you out into Jerusalem and Samaria and the rest of Israel and, and all the nations. Like, he's actually sending them out on mission. The, the works need to continue. 
The idea of Jesus being gone um, is something uh, that he actually prepared them for uh, in John chapter 16. And he's saying, uh, as he's going through this, this is during the Last Supper. And as he's kind of sharing with them, he's kind of giving them some clues what's about to happen. Uh, We're going to go into verse 5, and he's saying, I'm going to go away to him who sent me, and not one of you asks, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Uh, And so they're starting to mourn over the concept, this idea that's dawning on them that Jesus is leaving. The, The one that spit into the made mud out of that and my eyes man's eyes were healed like like they don't want him to go but yet he says you you have this sorrow in your heart verse 7 nevertheless i'm telling you the truth it's for your benefit that i go away now we've talked about this a number of different times and this is still one of the most profound passages within scripture for me that the jesus the one that came down, the one that we celebrate Christmas with, the, the one that walked on water, that, that raised people from the dead. God himself, walking the earth with man, says, it's better that I leave. It's better that I go. It's better that I'm not here anymore. Because if I don't go away, in verse 7, Uh, The Counselor, uh, this is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so Jesus is saying it's, it's better for him to leave because after he leaves, he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to, to indwell and empower each believer in order to continue on the work that Jesus had been doing. The reason that it's better is because Jesus, as one man walking the earth, or now or 2,000 years later, and millions upon millions of Spirit-filled Christians who have been the light in the world being led by the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we've talked about this before. This this concept of us needing to be on mission. And that he said it was better for him to leave. And then he's going to come back. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about the gifts ending. Prophecies ending, tongues ending. Uh, And you look in the context of that passage and it all is talking about when the perfect returns, when the perfect comes back, when Jesus Christ comes to ultimately conquer sin and and death and dying will be no more and all these things will have passed away. We've been talking through all of that about Advent, uh, you know, in the last four weeks or so. When he comes back is when the work ends. Not before. Meaning that right now, the time that we're living in is a time for us to be doing this very same thing that Jesus is saying here uh, in chapter 9, verse 4 of John. We must do the works of him who sent him while it was day. We must be doing these works. We must be uh, about the kingdom's business. That's what he's called us to do. 
think Ephesians chapter 4 um, talks about this. Again, to, to kind of impress upon us the calling that we have. In fact, uh, Jesse quoted it uh, in his prayer at the ending of worship. Um, and in verse 1, he says, Paul's writing, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. And so we've been called uh, to be um, ambassadors of Christ. First uh, Peter 2.9 says that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his possession, so that we can proclaim the praises of the one that called us out of darkness into marvelous light. That, that Jesus came into the world being the light and life of men and then has given us uh, that precious and holy responsibility to continue that work. Ephesians 4 tells us to, to live a life worthy of this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, going on later, he talks about giving gifts. Uh, and so this is where it kind of ties into this idea of gifts and us asking for gifts. Uh, he says he sends gifts uh, in men. Um, in verse 11, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Now, verse 12 is the key, though, the very next passage here in Ephesians 4, because he doesn't say, I'm giving you gifts in men. They're going to be the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and they're going to do the work that I've called them to do, and the rest of you can just follow. That's not what it says here. What he says is these gifts of those called and anointed, and verse 12, are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This word saints is based on the Greek word hagias, which, which means holy ones, meaning you. You may not feel holy, but you're made holy in the image of Christ through his blood, who has washed you clean of sin, adopted you into his family, and given you a call. You are the holy ones. You are the saints if you have salvation through Jesus Christ. And you are to do the, the work of the ministry here. Verse 12, to build up the body of Christ, which is the church. Not the organization, not the leadership, not the staff, certainly not the building, which has been transient for us for how many years? But, but to build up the body, the, the people, the ecclesia, the, the gathering of ourselves to be the body of Christ, to do the work that he has called us to do. We all have a part to play in this. 1 Corinthians 12, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it says each one is apportioned as the Spirit wills in order to build up the church. And, and so he's saying here to build up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now this idea of growing into maturity, the word maturity here is the Greek word teleos, uh, which means complete or perfect. It's that building that's fully completed. We're, we're a church that's building ourselves up until we're fully completed. But you know the stature of measurement is the fullness of Jesus Christ. Meaning, we'll never reach it until Jesus comes back. And, and so therefore, our calling and, and our lives to be lived worthy of that calling are to build one another up. To, to be about the business of our Heavenly Father 
in order to encourage one another, to build one another up, to continue to reflect Jesus even more fully uh, until He comes back. To speak the truth in love, in verse 15, we grow up in every way into Him who is the head Christ. From Him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. It's actually built up in love by the proper working of each individual part. We need you. We need you. I think our culture has uh, built church into something that has become a show at times. It's a Sunday experience where we're able to check off our little Christian box by, by going and saying hi to people uh, on a Sunday morning, to listening to a message to get our worship on, uh, and then to kind of head in throughout the rest of the day. Uh, and Sundays just become like an oasis in order to help us get through the week, and it's a place for us to refill. And yet this passage is saying that you as the church are so much more than just an oasis, a pit stop to help you get through the week but that you're supposed to build up to reflect Jesus Christ and that each part, it's the proper working of each individual part. Meaning that, that if we're going to be a successful church here in Janesville, it is not something that is going to succeed or fail because of my shoulders. It's not going to be something that's going to succeed or fail because of the worship team's shoulders. It's going to succeed or fail based on our shoulders. Each one of us working as God has called us to work. We have a responsibility to live a life according to the calling that we've received. Now, now again, that feels so big and so overwhelming. But, but again, I think it's because we've gotten into this mindset of what church is and we think of it as an organization. That if God's calling us to ministry, well, that must mean I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a children's worker. I'm supposed to be a missionary or an usher or all of these other things. And again, those are just little slots within an organization that kind of makes a Sunday morning like this work, but that is not the church. Us being in ministry is our daily lives. Who we bump into at a store, our family, our co-workers, our bosses, our employees, our teachers, our family members. That is the area of our ministry, and, and we might be called to different facets of that. You may never be called to get up here some morning, but you might be. And, and we want to help equip you in that. But maybe it's being a mechanic. Maybe it's being a stay-at-home mom. Maybe it's homeschool. Maybe it's a professional. Well, whatever it might be, that's your area of ministry. You are called to live a life worthy of the salvation you received. And to be a light in that area. Now that feels, again, when you start thinking of it that way, that, that 24-7, I'm to be a representative of Jesus Christ. 24-7, I'm, I'm supposed to be a light in this world. 24-7, I represent the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who died on the cross, who was risen again. 
how do I do that? When somebody cuts me off on Milton Avenue. When um, we have short fuses. When we have wounds and pain from things that have happened to us. Or, or maybe shame or condemnation for things that we've done. Like, like there's so many different things that this world in its darkness and, and twisting has tried to impact our identity in Christ to, to get us to doubt it, to feel unworthy of it, and incapable of being the light. And I think this is where God is getting us to when we ask for him for gifts. Because again, we look back to gifts. Some of the best gifts are the things that we're not expecting or the things that we couldn't do within our own means. I can save up for an Apple Watch. I can't buy the painting that my daughter did for me in a class. And it's just beautiful with these mountains on it and this sky that has some gold in it and a couple of bears down. And we ended up putting it behind our nativity scene. I wasn't even thinking about it. Putting it behind the nativity scene where the angels were singing. And all of a sudden we look over there and we see these angels singing and the angels were standing in front of where the bears were in the painting. And so it was just the angels with some hills behind it and then the sky filled with gold like the glory of God. Can never buy that, right? We cannot buy, we cannot earn the gift of the Holy Spirit and the equipping that only God can give to us to accomplish the mission that He's called us to. But He likes to give gifts. We go into Luke chapter 11. It's a passage where it talks about the giving of gifts. And it starts off in chapter 11 with the Lord's Prayer and kind of how to pray. Next week, we'll start our fervent week of prayer. So we'll get more into prayer there. Uh, but what I'm looking at here uh, is this parable that he says in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. It says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So in other words, what, what good father would give a bad gift? If we go and say, can I have an egg? And he gives us this nasty stinging insect with pinchers and a big long tail. Saying he wouldn't do that. So then if you, who are evil or, or sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Heavenly, Spirit, the, the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, who ask him? Who ask him? Again, remember James 4. You do not have because you do not ask. Or you ask but don't receive because you have wrong motives. When we come and we ask the Father for these things, we have to watch our motives because if we're looking for spiritual gifts from Him uh, in order to feel good about ourselves, to, to get recognition from others, that's with the wrong motives. And He's not going to answer those prayers uh, until our hearts are right. But also it says He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Ask and you will receive. I don't think we ask for the work of the Holy Spirit within us enough. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, when it's talking about the spiritual gifts, 
and we've, we've gone through those in different studies. If you have questions on those, we're uh, willing to talk about those and answer those questions. We believe that they're fully active until Jesus comes back. Or we're talking about tongues and prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of these supernatural things that, that God does in order to assist us in the mission that he's called us on. And in the midst of that passage, the, the reason Paul is writing those things, he's actually writing to a church that's getting it wrong. That Their services are messy. They're making mistakes. And Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing them and not saying, knock it off. Stop doing these crazy gift things. He doesn't say that. He just says, here's the right way to do it. Being led by the Spirit in obedience to the Father. And then he tells them to fervently desire the gifts. Your passage or your translation might say eagerly desire the gifts, but the word is better translated as fervently, like, like this striving after the gifts. And the reason for it is because we recognize this mission that he's called us on, we can't do in our own strength. We need a present under the tree from God, from the Holy Spirit to equip us to do the things that He's actually called us to do. And we can't earn it. We can't make it ourselves. It has to come from Him. But it's not just limited to, to these gifts of the Spirit. If we go to uh, Galatians, we look at the fruit of the Spirit. And this also is the benefit given to us uh, by asking and praying for the Holy Spirit. Uh, if somebody beats me there, because I wasn't planning on going here, and you want to read it out loud, I've got a microphone. Um, and for whatever reason, my pages are sticking together. What? You, I, yeah, I know where it is. I can't get to the... You, you want to read it? You want me to read it? Okay, thank you. All right. So again, this, this is what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, against these things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is also what we're asking for when we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not just those gifts. Those gifts are helpful and useful and necessary at times in order to do the work that he's called us to. But also in order to do the work that he's called us to, uh, we need to show love, joy, peace, um, long-suffering. Your translation might say forbearance or patience. It's better translated as long-suffering, suffering well, longly. Um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then, as we walk with Him, our flesh is crucified with its passions and desires, and we keep and walk with the step with the Spirit. And so I'd asked a question before. If, if God said to you today, it's Christmas time, what do you want? I, I want to pray for those things. And hopefully you've been considering kind of your motives as you've been doing that. And, and I want to pray for, for whatever it might be. Maybe it's somebody that's in the hospital and we want to pray for a healing for that. But I think this message was also um, something specifically for you. 
if you ask and if you desire. Maybe it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that He's putting onto your heart. We want to pray for those things. Maybe you need more peace, more love, more joy. Maybe you need help long-suffering through something and doing it with the grace of God and reflecting Him in a difficult circumstance. Or maybe you're struggling with a sin. And what it says here is through the Holy Spirit, we crucify our flesh and we find help in those areas of need. In a moment, I'm going to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us this morning, uh, the rest of the way. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. Prayer team, if you want to head over to the Christmas tree where we are seeking gifts from the Spirit. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning. And you are a good Father who knows how to give good gifts. And you will give us the things that we need, the things that we cannot do within our own strength, or our own ability. Uh, if we have wrong motives in your love, you won't answer those things. And your ways are greater than our ways. We acknowledge that sometimes we are asking for something uh, and you have other things in mind. We want to submit all those things to you, but Lord, as we come, uh, it also says that you tell us to fervently, desperately pursue the Holy Spirit both for spiritual gifts as well as the fruit given to us to reflect you. So Lord, I pray that you would guide the prayer team, uh, that they would pray according to the Spirit. Uh, Father, I pray that you would anoint the worship team to, to enter into your throne room and drag us with them, uh, regardless of how our week has been. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that you would give us all boldness on the things to ask for that by your Holy Spirit you would reveal to us what it is we should ask for. That it's not just something that we would kind of like, but something that you know we need. Give us boldness to go forward and ask for something specific or just submit to your work. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.